fear becomes more powerful than hope when all the rules have changed. A new hero will emerge. Ladies and gentlemen, what's good, y'all? It's Chris Gary, Sandrew Benjamin, and you tuned in to another special edition of the We Are Rising podcast, your source normally for all things about the Rising Fighting Federation and Japanese combat sports, or for moments like these, or when we have something interesting to talk about, we tend to shoot the shit. You can follow us on Twitter, respectively. I'm on Twitter at ChrisGary92. Andrew is on Twitter at abinja one And the show handle is at WeAreRisingPod. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-N-P-O-D, all in one word. And you can check out the show on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and your favorite podcast providers or places of choice. And I think that we got a very special guest joining us today, but Andrew, I don't want you to give him an intro. I'm going to let him speak for himself. Please speak. Hello, my name is Zachary Sherlock. I'm the host of a multi-dimensional show called Black Lions Airspace, where I discuss things like the laws of attraction the MMA world that I'm starting to get into a little bit more. General combat sports, comics, and etc. I've been doing this podcast now over a year. I actually have places such as Spotify, Speaker, Stitcher, and I'm sure that Chris actually named off other places. So please give me a listen. Okay, okay. And when it comes down to what we're about to talk about here, the Bloodsport card for October 11th at 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 5 Pacific, next weekend, you know, what were your thoughts about this card being revitalized after the whole COVID-19 pandemic? And much like I was asking you before we got on air, how do you think that the entire collective card, including this one, will fare, considering the fact that, you know, the card is different, but we're hoping to have the same type of exciting action? 
Well, when uh, Blood Sport 2020 was supposed to take place originally in, uh, I believe, April, mm-hmm. I actually was getting ready to come back to social media. I had no clue what was happening. Once the epidemic hit and I was already back on social media, I got in touch with uh, Andy here, and we were talking about it for a bit. And I looked it up, and I said, oh, God, this is supposed to be the card that was going to take place. The main event, or two main events, were Josh Barnett versus John Moxley, which was uh, teased back at the uh, previous Bloodsport, or the one before that. And then the one that actually had my heart in it, was Minoru Suzuki, who's my favorite Japanese wrestler, and Chris Dickinson, who I practically have seen from the ground up. So that would have been an ultimate match for me, coming full circle, like going to MSG to see Ring of Honor in New Japan last year. As far as the actual collective is concerned, the coronavirus has impacted many lives. And the pro wrestling industry as a whole was no different. So changes had to be made for the sake of uh, making sure that business was going to happen eventually. Right now in Japan, I don't know if your listeners actually watch all pro wrestling outside of MMA, but... The G1 Climax is going on in Japan, for New Japan. And Minoru Suzuki, who is the uh, never-open champion, if I believe correctly, and he is, he's uh, a part of that actual number one contenders tournament. So he cannot actually participate in Bloodsport. Hmm. As far as the other shows are truly concerned, I liked the, what I've seen so far. Uh, I'm still in awe of the uh, For the Culture show the most. I did not see that forecoming at all. I didn't. I mean, they I can understand that because you told me before we began this program off air that you were excited about Trish Adora versus Sugar Dunkerton or Sug D or... Pineapple Pete, as he's known by certain fans. <laughs> oh, yes, I am. That is the main event for me. I, even if it's not the actual main event. Fresh coming from Africa, the true homeland of the African race, is a very big deal because she is the only female world's heavyweight champion that is not uh, labeled to a woman's division. She is fighting men for that belt. And Shook D, I was really blown away by the decision that he is going to be the contender. Not that Shook D sucks. Shook D is pretty good. But the fact that he's getting the world's title shot and it's from a different organization and plus from the motherland, the true motherland. That was a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
And especially considering the fact that this year happens to be, what, his biggest year in professional wrestling. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. This year, as far as pro wrestling is concerned, oh my God. Like, how WWE when God bless to some degree. Uh, then everything else almost started to pop up, and I was in awe. I said, hmm, there is a chance that things can actually go on pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. And, and stuff like New Japan, they've been knocking that out the park. Really, like with the uh, Dominion, uh, What's this crazy show that they did? A summer struggle back in August. Not to mention the shows that they've done in Los Angeles at the Ocean View Pavilion. The New Japan Oh, yeah, strong. Strong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, strong. Oh, man. I haven't watched all of that series because I'm not, like, really into that style of a show. I'm more into the traditional New Japan. But from what I heard, it was pretty good. And Kenta actually being the number one contender to uh, John Moxley, who we'll be talking about later in this show, mm-hmm. that was just one thing that made me happy. Very happy to see. Because I'm a huge Kenta fan. And I was hoping that if uh, the corona didn't hit and we were going into blood sport for springtime, that Kenta probably would have made it onto that show because supposedly he was around for, I think, uh, autographs at the last one or the one in uh, April of last year. Mm-hmm. So, Kenta comes from that MMA style fight and what better place than uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport to actually showcase him in it? Yeah, but also the thing is, Kenta also, you know, was inherited off of that old school King's Road All Japan type of style, of which he inherited it, mastered it, and crafted it to his own in basically being one of the first stars for Pro Wrestling Noah, other than. You know, the three pillars, Kobashi, Misawa, and Kawada. Uh, I miss Misawa-san. He, he passed away before I even got the chance to watch him. If you don't mind, I will t- briefly just tell the story of uh, how I missed Misawa-san versus Kenta. Go ahead. So, Ring of Honor, I would say circa 13 years ago, they were going to come out here to New York City. The main event was Kenta versus Masawa for the uh, GHC heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. Sadly, my employer at the time said no. I would miss that event. And within two years, Masawa was dead. Mm-hmm. And Kenta, he was never going to be seen live by me. He eventually made it to the top of Noah. Then WWE bastardized him. Mm-hmm. And here we are some odd years later, and Kenta's part of the Bullet Club, and we are in the coronavirus epidemic. So that's my story of how I actually missed uh, Kenta versus Mitsuharu Masaru. 
that does kind of suck, to be honest, especially considering the fact that when it came down to that Pro Wrestling Noah Ring of Honor partnership, which of course included Kenta wrestling the Supercard of Honor event when WrestleMania hit Houston the second time, unfortunately I wasn't that really up on my Puro game as I was only 16 years old at the time, you know, WrestleMania 25 happened, so I wouldn't understand that shit. But still, if COVID wouldn't have happened, we definitely would have gotten Kenta in some way, shape, or form. Maybe in a match against... Nah, I can't say Leo Rush because Leo Rush was still employed by the WWE at the time. And I can't say ACH either because, you know... (laughs) I mean, let's just face it. ACH versus Kenta would be a fucking main event level match anywhere in the world. I just wouldn't see it on a Bloodsport car, and I wouldn't have seen it, you know, in March because ACH was still going through issues with the big fed in Stanford. But I think that in the future, should all this COVID-19 stuff, you know, die down a little and should travel restrictions loosen a bit, I wouldn't mind seeing a match between Kenta and ACH happen, even though it probably boggles my mind as it does yours that he learned all his English from listening to rap music. <laughs> I love that. That, yeah. that still boggles my mind. Oh, man. I was blown away when I first heard the music that he used was really a Conan or Rey Mysterio's. From WCW, I said, excuse me. Mm-hmm, that yeah. ill harmonics jam? <laughs> oh, man, that still boggles me to this day. Mm-hmm, but what really boggled me was the fact that he made his entrances in Noah to DMX, Twister, <laughs> ah, yes. T.I., and Waka Flocka Flame. <laughs> that shit really crazed the hell out of me, because... You would never think that a Japanese competitor would come out to anything other than simple instrumental music, which is what all the greats, like the late, great Shinya Hashimoto and the late, great Misuhalo Misawa came out to. Oh, man. When I heard Kenta was a hip-hop fan, that took me by surprise, but yet I loved it even more. The fact that he actually learned English from that. (laughs) <laughs> and you can hear it in his voice. You can hear it when he talks. Exactly. Especially in the little amount of English that he still knows. It was a little amount back then when he first came to the WWE, but <clears throat> now it's gotten at least better. Oh, uh, uh, oh man. Uh, and I'm still that he's with Bullet Club. Oh, Jesus Christ. I know, I know. <laughs> We can all get it out of our system when this whole COVID shit really dies down. But enough about fantasizing of, you know, wanting to see a certain competitor compete at Bloodsport in the near future. Although, you know, I can say, I can say for certain, you know, Kenta doesn't work out. If Minoru Suzuki doesn't work out, shit. Maybe if by some off chance that he's able to compete by the time Russell Kingdom rolls around, you know, if he's medically cleared to do so, shit, how about Katsuyori Shibata? Or how about 
Kazushi Sakuraba. What? If, if, uh, not Sakuraba. Uh, if Shibata was to come out of retirement, almost like Alice Shawn Michaels, the roof would blow off. I would be almost crying tears because before he got injured, so Shibata was my favorite wrestler after uh, Nakamura left for WWE. He was my favorite. And I was hoping and praying that when he won the New Japan Cup two years ago, mm-hmm. that New Japan would do the deed. That they would make Shibata the champion. Mm-hmm. Ain't the result. For Shibata, years later, he's uh, injured. He's training young lions. God bless. But they teased something with him and Kenta. They kind of te- teased it. It just sucks that they never really went full blown. And I thought they wouldn't because of uh, Shibata trying to honor his injury. I see. That would be one hell of a fighting dream to actually see, you know, Shibata in a blood sport card or Shibata in a blood sport match because of Wait his a MMA I think, uh, Shibata, I think Shibata did make it to uh, the April show. I think he was signing uh, autographs last year. Oh, you mean for blood sport one in New Orleans, right? No, Ming in oh. uh, New York. I think oh, he was my there. bad, my bad. The New Orleans one was Matt Riddle's blood sport. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, one in Atlantic, the one in Atlantic City the first time out was Josh Barnett's first blood sport show. No, in New Jersey. That was Jersey, excuse me. Yeah, oh. it was in Atlantic City. No, Atlantic City was exactly this time last year in September. Uh... For Barnett's blood sport back in April 2019, that was Jersey City. Oh, my apologies. I mean, like I said, I'm from Texas, and even I know that New Jersey is the fucking swamp. <laughs> that made me laugh when we were all there. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. But enough about us fantasizing about future competitors for Bloodsport, and future matches for Bloodsport. We gotta talk about this one that's gonna happen next weekend, as at the time of this recording. Or if you already listened to it, shit, you probably could be listening to it now, thinking, what the hell's going on? If you're watching Bloodsport, you know, don't feel free to check it out before you watch it, really. Because you don't want to be spoiled. But... We got to talk about this Bloodsport card, man. You have the card. Do you want to just go match by match, or do you want to just, you know, throw all that shit out the window and just basically go from what you think is the best match to what you think might be not the worst match, but um, the match that people should keep an eye out on? Well, we can discuss every single match as it is. I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially considering the fact that you got a one-night women's tournament as well. But other than that... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than that, let's go ahead and dive right into this card. Andrew, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Okay, okay. All right. 
So, so the following matches are for Bloodsport, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. And we, we shall be discussing, if I understand this correctly from our chat on Twitter, mm-hmm. what these uh, competitors mean, the actual predictions, and possible outcomes that could come from it. So, up first, we have Eric Hammer versus uh, Call Jack. Well, I actually am familiar with uh, Eric Hammer. I believe he's been in in past blood sports. Uh, His opponent, I don't have any clue. He is very new to me. But from what it looks like, it could be a Haas match, a big man's match. And I don't mind big men fighting. I've always been a fan of that. Well, as far as who would probably win, I think Hammer probably will win. I see, I I see. But let me go ahead and give you a little background on these competitors. First of all, Call Jack. All right. He stands in at 6 feet 6 inches tall, weighs in at 285 pounds. Originally from Reno, Nevada, USA, and a graduate of Oregon State University in Beaverton, Oregon. And once done college wrestling alongside Kobe Chaos Covington, who's currently the fire-branded asshole for the UFC. He resides in Vacaville, California, and has been wrestling since 2013, and obviously has wrestled in the WWE under their developmental system. (laughs) Me and Andrew had a hell of a good time talking to him about that just this past week. In the meantime, his opponent, Eric Hammer, a catch wrestler with 12 years of experience. He stands in at 6 feet 6 inches tall, weighs in at 301 pounds, Hails from Fullerton, California, and is one of Josh Barnett's main training partners representing UWF USA and Eric Paulson's Combat Submission Wrestling. As we know, Jax has a hell of a lot more experience compared to Mr. Hammer, and Hammer's been wrestling since 2008. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. He's been wrestling since 2008, but he rarely wrestles outside of Japan. Last year, around this time, at the showboat in Atlantic City, he defeated J.R. Kratos in his first professional wrestling match in the United States of America. Whereas, of course, Carl Jack never wrestled outside of the United States, of course. But still, point of the matter is, Andrew... What are your thoughts about this particular match? Because we talked to the dude last week. Uh, yeah, I think... I think Zach said it best. This is probably going to be the Haas match, given the size and girth of both men. Um, I think it's a match I'm, I'm, I probably have the most interest in when it comes to the two opponents. Um... Because we see, you know, like you said, Eric Hammer doesn't wrestle. This is why his, his book board was related to his return to wrestling. He hasn't wrestled since. Uh, so it's a case of, like, less is more. It's kind of cool to see somebody, you know, who doesn't 
less let often because you know it's kind of like every time they wrestle, it's like it's like seeing them wrestle for the first time again, so to speak. Uh, Carl Jack, you know, you know, he was in NXT, you know, NCAA, trained at Colby Covington, trains in jiu-jitsu now. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what he brings uh, in terms of what a blood, what blood sport asks for. Um, the other, but I think when it comes down to it, uh, I know what Eric Hammer can do. We've seen what he can do. He has a win over J.R. Kratos already. Uh, yep, the one that you went to last year, Zach. I tried to go to that one, but unfortunately, uh, we got stuck at work. Um, excuse me. And um, for uh, uh, for Call Jack, you know, I'm sure I, I think he'll put up a good fight with Hammer. You know, Hammer's a, t- a tough dude. He's a Barnett guy. Uh, I think he's. I think. I think this the the ball, so to speak, is in Hammer's court, and I think we're gonna see another. Another textbook submission win from Mr. Hammer uh, uh, to uh, get his second win in Blood Sports. Oh, man. And I had to literally look up there, I can't remember, because I kind of forgot what he looked like. And I said to myself, oh, okay, that's Barnett's boy. I remember. I remember. Because, I, like uh, Andy said, I actually was there live at the previous Bloodsport. The night before, I actually went to the actual press conference that day. I'm still in awe to this day that that actually happened. That there was an actual press conference the night before Bloodsport happened. So, to see him live, I thought, Ooh, he is not taking shit from anybody. Okay. He's going to bring good fight. And he's scared the living hell out of Pinky Sanchez or somebody else in the crowd. But I said, okay. okay. I respect you now. I respect you. You actually got a little bit of a badass to you. Legit. And then when I saw him fighting, uh, I think it was Simon Grimm last year. I think he was fighting Grimm. I thought, yeah, he's pretty, pretty, pretty good. He's pretty good to knock him out. But was that since he Either which play, he was a part of the show last year, and I enjoyed his work. All right, so moving on from that match, speaking of Simon Grimm, we have him versus uh, Matt Mikowski. Oh, man. This looks like it's going to be a uh, traditional style fight. That can see a little bit more of the uh, traditional pro wrestling side of it. But I would not be surprised if it starts to become a brawl on these two style of fighters. Looking exactly. at them both. Exactly. Oh, looking at them both. Uh, let me see. Who would actually win in my point of view? Well, first of all, let me go ahead and get the particulars down for both men. Matt Weapon right. X Mikowski, 5'11", 218 pounds. He has a professional MMA record of 6-2. and two. Has not fought since, of course, February 27, 2010. He represents Daddy's Mixed Martial Arts Academy, based out of Philadelphia, PA. 
and has been mm-hmm. wrestling in professional wrestling, if I'm not mistaken, since 2016, right? And no, wait, actually, 2015, 16, kind of sort of. Uh... Good question. I, I, uh, I'm not so sure. I mean, uh, you said as a pro wrestler, right? Yeah, as a professional wrestler. He's been out of mixed martial arts for like the last decade. Uh, Matt McCaskey, he's been a pro wrestler since last year. Shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can understand that. He's been wrestling since May of 2019 at the Shikara Infinite Gauntlet Show. Unfortunately, may that promotion rest in peace. If you were a fan of it, may it rot in peace if you were not a fan of Mike Quackenbush. <laughs> uh, I love Chikara. That was one of my favorite promotions because it had the likes of Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. And as far as Simon Grimm or Simon Gotch goes, he is 37 years old, born October 18, 1982, in Santa Rosa, California. He is a native of Hoboken, New Jersey, and has been wrestling since 2002. He is 6 feet 1 inch tall, 220 pounds, was trained by Donovan Morgan, Mike Modest, Rick Thompson, D. Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson, and the late, great Harley Race. He is a former WLW Tag Team Champ, a former NXT Tag Team Champ in the WWE, the current XWA Frontier Sports Champion, and currently a member of Contra Unit in Major League Wrestling. Oh, yes. I'm very familiar with MLW. Supposedly, they're going to be coming back soon. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they've already I'm made big waves back. by having... Their show put on the Fubo Sports Channel and on The Zone. Well, their big events are going to be on The Zone. Their regular tapings are going to be on Fubo and BN Sports. Oh, man. Well, can I actually get my subscription on YouTube? So that's how I'm going to actually watch. Exactly. As far as the actual match goes, matches, what are your thoughts? That's what I was just about to say, Christian. As far as my actual thoughts on the match, it's going to be, if I had to take a guess, I think Mikowski's going to take the win. I think he's going to take the win. He's a little bit more uh, flexible than Gotcha's. Oh, excuse me. Grim. Grim. We are not saying uh, WWE Slate names on this show. <laughs> Rip. Rip. I'm, I'm not putting him under because he's a pretty damn good fighter. I've seen him live twice, and he's actually given me my money's worth every single time. So I'm expecting this to be a very good fight, but I'm looking for Mikowski to win. And Andrew, what are your thoughts? I agree. Uh, again, I don't think, I think Simon Grimm's lost, has he lost every match he's been in in Bloodsport? I feel like he's gone 0-3. Well, we can look that up briefly. I know he lost the first match against Kratos, or maybe he's 0-2. I thought he, I think he lost the, the Corelli, um, the Corelli match. Okay, bring it up 
www.cagematch.net for actually keeping this going. All right, so Simon Grimm, as I'm looking at it right now, he definitely was on both shows last year, for sure. And he lost. Yeah, yeah. I, did he lose against, he lost both of them, I believe? Yep, he lost to uh, J.R. Kratos in April. Yeah. At the one that you and I both were at, Andy. Yep, yep. Uh, and the one that I was solo at, uh, he lost to the... No, we're not using slave names again. I'm actually almost slipping. We're not using slave names yet. We actually have the former WWE Intercontinental Champion, Anthony Corelli, who actually beat... Uh, but he was very, very good. It, uh, that was one of my favorite matches on that show because both guys had something to prove that they're not their WWE counterparts. God lost them both. And I think uh, Corelli getting the win was kind of the biggest talk point of the whole entire show that wasn't uh, one killer cross actually calling out Batista. <laughs> it's sad to me that you know Killer Cross is unfortunately injured. I mean, especially after him winning the NXT title, he's injured. But it sucks that he's even injured in general after such a hot push that he got. Oh man! Just going back, just want just quickly finish. Yeah, I think this is Mikowski's fight. I think this is Mikowski's match. He seems to have been acclimated to the blood sport rules by this point, uh, especially because he's 1-0, a uh, better record than uh, Grimm, who was all in two. Uh, I could definitely see Matt Bukowski knocking out uh, Simon Grimm, using his MMA experience, his pro wrestling experience, using all that just combined uh, years of, of professional combat sports uh, background to, to really bring it to uh, Grimm. Grim will get out, go down easily, but I definitely feel that that all the, that the advantages are in Mikowski's courts. Oh, yes, it is. So, moving on from that fight, this is the match, one of the matches that really caught my attention and will ensure that I actually buy it next week. The Notorious 187 Homicide makes his actual Bloodsport debut versus Filthy Tom Lawler, the former MLW World Heavyweight Champion. Mm-hmm. Now, the particular... Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry for interrupting, even though this is kind of my thing. <laughs> but still... I know that. <laughs> That's fine. They actually have been through this before. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. Let me go ahead and knock down these particulars real quick. First of all, from the Notorious 187 Homicide, he is 43 years old. But don't you dare call him old or else he will fuck you up. <laughs> Born March the 20th, 1977. He is 5 feet 10 inches tall, weighs in at 220 pounds. He is a 27-year wrestling professional 
He made his debut back on March the 5th, 1993, and was trained by Hot Rod Manny Fernandez, fighting out of the rough and tumble streets of Bedford-Stuyvesant, Do or Die, Brooklyn, which is a lot different now than what it was back then. I mean, I'm pretty sure y'all can attest to it. City, we're born and raised, kids. And mm-hmm. out here in New York, we do not play games. Exactly. But still, Homicide's been wrestling for 27 years, as I mentioned before. He is a former, and this is among his many accomplishments, he is a former Big Japan Junior Heavyweight Champion, a former Full Impact Pro heavyweight champion, a former IWA World Junior Heavyweight and World Tag Team Champion, a former IWA Mid-South Tag Team Champion, a former seven-time Jersey All-Pro Heavyweight and seven-time Jersey All-Pro Tag Team Champion, a former PWG World Tag Team Champ, the former Ring of Honor World Champion, a former three-time World Tag Team Champion in Total Nonstop Action, now Impact Wrestling. Twice held the NWA World Tag Team Titles, once held the TNA World Tag Team Titles, with another person that I mentioned would definitely want in on this when we interviewed him this past week, Andrew, Sean Hernandez. <laughs> mm-hmm. And obviously... This dude is one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time, especially considering the fact that many people know him as an ultraviolet competitor. Many people know him as a hardcore street fighter. But like we did, we did interview him last week, Andrew, and he did say that he is a big fan of catch wrestling. He's way more than just smoking blunts and watching, you know... (laughs) Nudie flicks. Girls gone wild. <laughs> oh, that's homicide already. Mm-hmm. But, still, his opponent, he's not in it for the publicity. He's just in it to kick ass. It's Filthy Tom Lawler. 37 years old, born May 15, 1983. Originally from Fall River, Massachusetts, which is the hometown of one Eric Zabrina Spicely, who he once had a chance to tag with in Beyond Wrestling. He is a native and resident of Las Vegas, Nevada, training out of Team Filthy, his own camp, representing Syndicate MMA. He is a BJJ black belt under Tim Burrell and has been fighting as an amateur since 2003 with an amateur MMA record of one win, one knockout and a professional MMA record of 10 wins, 7 losses, and 1 no contest with 8 of his 10 wins, 4 knockouts, and 4 submissions via finish. He has been wrestling as a professional wrestler on and off since 2008 when he was wrestling on the independent circuit before being a part of the Ultimate Fighter Season 7, but after he got suspended from the UFC due to... A drug that nobody really can pronounce correctly. He has been kickstarting his professional wrestling career since 2017 as an in-ring competitor. And has made his way 
to prominence. As a matter of fact, back on July 12th, he defeated Rocky Romero in his New Japan Pro Wrestling debut at the Lions Bright Collision Show in the Ocean View Pavilion in the Los Angeles area. But other than that, this man is a three-time NCWA National Wrestling Champion at 235 pounds. He is a four-time performance fight knockout or submission of the night bonus getter for the UFC. And currently, well actually, as far as professional wrestling accolades, he is <clears throat> a one-time AIW Absolute Champion. A one-time and inaugural Black Label Pro Heavyweight Champion. A one-time MLW World Heavyweight Champ and the 2018 Battle Riot winner. The current Prestige Wrestling Champion and last year's Prestige Rise or Die Tournament winner. And as of this year, he's ranked 111th overall in the PWI 500. So I have to ask... When it comes down to this particular match, do you think that the 27-year veteran Homicide is going to teach Lawler a few new tricks? Or do you think that Lawler is going to teach Homicide how to fight like a true martial artist? Oh, I've known Homicide practically 10 years. He's been a friend of mine. We've talked on and off about wrestling, the whole entire MMA bit. And he should not be underestimated. Just because he's in his 40s doesn't mean he will not kick your ass. He is one of the most well-rounded pro wrestlers. If you want to high fly, he can do that. You want to do submissions, he can do that. The list goes on and on. Lawler, Tom Lawler... Don't underestimate him either. He's been legit into the UFC. He's actually done his pro wrestling bit over a year, but he's actually done it so well. So this is going to be a fight to be remembered. I don't know who's going to win legit, but I'm hoping that Homicide actually does get the win because it's more so his debut and... Muller's been in this game longer as far as blood sport is actually concerned. True. True. Andrew, you got any thoughts about this contest? So I'm going to sound like a hypocrite when I say this. Before, I said, like, oh, I tend to side the MMA guys or the guys who tend to have more um, outside pro wrestling experience to win, uh, as a winner. Unfortunately, I'm going to walk back at that and be like, yeah, not this time. I'm going to go with Homicide. Homicide's been around for a long time. Uh, tough motherfucker. Um, I don't know how much longer he's playing the wrestling. He's seen the imply that he's not going to be doing that much more when he talked to us. Um, but he didn't give like a timeline or anything. Um, the thing is that, you know, I, I, Tom Lawler is great. Might be, might be the best guy in the indie scene right now. Uh, probably, uh, I, that I can think of established. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, guy. did I forget to mention that he's one of the stars of MLW? Yeah, yeah, but MLW, I have no idea what MLW status is right now. Um, Major League Wrestling. Oops. Yeah, I'm, I'm, they're still around, I'm assuming, I guess. Yeah, they're but, still you know, around, and they're planning to I make figured, a
soon, very soon. But they're currently going through. But they're currently going through the rerun cycle, basically, and they're showing old underground episodes. But please continue. I think the problem also is that you know I'm definitely seeing this through nostalgic guys. I grew up with Homicide, a new old Ring of Honor, Gates Polsky areas uh, era where he was trying to pour bleach down uh, Col Cabana's uh, mouth. About, uh, oh my god. Um, or you know, wait, wait, remember when he made that brief return to Ring of Honor during the I guess it was the HD Net era. Mm -hmm. Oh, I remember being in that building on September 11, 2010. That place yeah. was lit. The minute I, that they hit that intro, that uh, Ironside intro, mm -hmm. I swear, the building shook. It was like, almost like an earthquake. And then when he came out, that was the loudest reaction I ever heard for any wrestler that returned. Bar none. I have no I don't remember what happened after but like I remember yeah, I was there for that as well. And then uh I of course remember the time of impact. Uh I couldn't get from this time where he got caught on the uh the mouse cage thing that Impact used to have. What what was it called? Like these remember that little dome? I think it was called, if I'm not mistaken, the Terradome or the House of Something like that, yeah. And he got caught, uh, like he climbed up, but like he was like trying to escape, but he was like too big or not agile enough to like get through the hole or something. Remember that? Yeah, it was January 4, 2010 when that happened. Yeah, that was the that was the the impact where he was where it was impact going up against Monday Night Raw. Um, yeah, the uh, NWO actually had their little reunion. Yeah, um, oh, but I just you know, I grew up with Homicide so much that I'm almost I'm almost blinded by just like it's kind of like you're signing with your childhood hero. Uh, even though I was a child when I was watching a Homicide, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Homicide. I, uh, well, you know what? I'll say he knocks out Tom Waller. I'll go up there. I'll, 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 uh, I'll up the ante. I'll make the bet of the the prediction interesting. Andrew, are you sure about that? Well, listen, you know, I, I, there are times where I where I don't where I don't pick hills to die on. For uh, for uh, predictions, but this is one I'm going to I'm going to happily uh, put my put, put my money my non-existent money where my mouth is. Well, I think you need to. I mean, no disrespect, but I think you would probably need to take that money and shove it up your ass because. <laughs> I mean, think about it, man. No disrespect to homicide. No disrespect to. I don't want to say his full name here again, but again, no disrespect. D for sure. Yeah, no disrespect to D. No disrespect to the notorious one eight seven homicide. But when you're in the ring or you're in the cage with somebody as trained and as skilled a competitor as Filthy Tom Lawler, you're bound to either, you know, try and fight your way through it like. What happened in his most recent MMA fight against Darren Wynn, who's now in the UFC, or you're going to get your ass kicked. Yeah. 
And I think that when it comes down to this particular match, I'm sorry. I don't want him beating the shit out of me and going all Abdullah the Butcher on my forehead. But <laughs> but I think that Homicide just doesn't have a chance to really, you know, last in that ring with Tom Lawler. Even though, of course, no ropes are going to stop them. No turnbuckles are going to stop them because they're basically wrestling on a mat. But still... I think that, you know, if Homicide doesn't be careful when it comes down to dealing with Lawler, I think Lawler is going to make, is either going to make him tap out or knock him the fuck out. I hate to say it like that, but it's the truth. Well, looking forward to the match. That side give or die. That's what I got to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I hope that Homicide ain't hearing this because I really don't want I really do not want a salad fork busting my pretty little forehead open. Well, as long as you're respectful to him and actually our fan, he's not gonna do anything to you. He's he's a big yeah, uh, uh, yeah, of course, dude. I mean, I'm five foot four. He's gonna probably gut me like a fucking baby lamb. <laughs> well, well, then you better keep your words uh, soft and sweet. But anyways, uh, exactly. before we actually move on to the next match, uh, Andy, I believe that that night on September 11, 2010. Uh, Homicide actually came out after Roddy Strong won the uh, Ring of Honor Championship from a, a now WWE superstar by the name of uh, Tyler Black. Ah, oh, yes, it's a million. I think that was, yeah, that was Tyler Black's last match, I believe, in Ring of Honor before we went to uh, WWE. Yep, yep. And then after the match, Homicide came out, challenged Roddy Strong for the belt. Right there and then. Uh, all right, so next match, ladies and gentlemen, we have the Clash of the Tag Team Specialists. We have Davy Boy Smith Jr., the son of the uh, late British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith Sr., who has been a IWGP and NWA along with WWE. Tag Team Champion versus, I believe, one half of the current, uh, uh, not IWGP, Impact, better known as Total Nonstop Action Tag Team Champions, Josh Alexander. Mm -hmm. And for more information, hit it, Christian. Yeah, let's go ahead and go with the particulars. First of all, for the walking weapon, Josh Alexander. He is 33 years old, born May the 29th, 1987 in Bolton, Ontario, Canada. A. <laughs> he resides in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. A. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just gotta go and say A whenever a Canadian gets talked about. <laughs> Anyways, he's 6 feet 1 inch tall. 240 pounds. He was trained by the Hot Rod Johnny Devine, a former TNA X Division champion, and has been wrestling 
since 2005. He's actually been slimming down a hell of a lot more lately. Probably getting down to at least 210. More likely than not. Anyways, as far as his career... As far as his career credentials go, he is a two-time AAW All-Action Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. He is a former four-time Alpha One Alpha Male Champion. He is a former Depth Proof Fight Club, the current Destiny World Wrestling, and the current Crossbody Pro Wrestling Academy Champion, twice over, by the way. And he is one half of the longest reigning Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Champions ever with All Ego Ethan Page. Of course, them being the representatives of the North. And as of the 2020 PWI, he is ranked 195th in the PWI 500. Now, as far as Davey Boy Smith Jr., Harry Francis Smith, the son of the late, great Davy Boy Smith Sr. He is 35 years old, born August the 2nd, 1985, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Hey. <laughs> He's 6 feet 6 inches tall, weighs 265 pounds, and was trained by the late Davy Boy Smith Sr., his father, he was trained by the late yet controversial Chris Benoit, as well as Bruce Hart and Tokyo Joe, and has been wrestling, hard to believe, since he was nine years old, back in 1994. Hard to believe, right? <laughs> well, that's not so shocking to me. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But still... Credentials. This dude's got him. He's a former MLW World Tag Team Champion, former two-time NWA World Tag Team Champion with the Murderhawk Monster Lance Hoyt, a.k.a. Lance Archer. Also a three-time IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champion with Archer, a former Ring King Tag Team Champ with Chavo Guerrero Jr., currently one half of the World of Sport Tag Team Champions with Glazo. In the UK, and he's had most of his tag team success with TJ Wilson, aka Tyson Kidd, of which he teamed with Wilson to become a former FCW Florida tag team champ, in addition to being the former FCW Southern heavyweight champion, as well as a former WWE Unified tag team champion with Tyson Kidd. And is also getting into the grappling game as well. He's a former North American Grappling Association, West Coast Vegas, Champion Masters, No Gi Expert, Super Heavyweight Division winner in 2016. Shit, that was a long-winded saying. <laughs> I mean, that was a long-winded accomplishment. But other than that, oh, in addition to that, he's a two-time GHC Tag Team Champ with Lance Archer as well. But also... To add to that, he is a member of the Heart Foundation 2.0 in MLW, currently dealing with contractual issues and, in the case of Teddy Hart, being an overall asshole. <laughs> he is also currently 
for Devin the Hannibal Nicholson, the current Great North Wrestling World Television Champion, of which one of his best matches, and I'll never forget this, but one of his best matches was Andrew. Remember that cage wrestling show that I sent you where all the wrestling matches were in a MMA cage? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever had another show. I mean, yeah, I, I I understand that, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, Davy Boy Smith was in one of those matches in the cage, and he excelled himself pretty well. And also, oh by the way, he's the 2019 Opera Cup winner for MLW as well, of which the yeah. Hart family still held the rights to that trophy before it was reactivated. But Still, going into this contest, who do you think has the upper hand? Oh, talk about another Hoss Man style match. I think Barnett will not let Impact look bad. <laughs> so I'm thinking that uh, Josh Alexander is going to win. Are you sure about that? I think so. If uh, Barnett wants to actually have a relationship with uh, Impact Wrestling, I think uh, one of their champions uh, should not be taking the uh, loss. Hmm. I see. Andrew, any thoughts about this match? Oh, yeah. D.B. Smith is on a roll. This guy, anytime he comes into any promotion or whatever, he dominates. Both for no difference. Josh Alexander will put up a great fight with him, but I simply just don't think that uh, he's going to have the uh, the credentials, uh, England credentials that ADB Smith has. I know we, we both called them uh, tag team experts. I would put more emphasis on, on singles wrestling for DB Smith than uh, Josh Alexander. Even though it's funny, Josh Alexander started kind of as a, as a singles guy, but he's kind of become more of a tag team guy, and I just don't think that... Uh, I think he's had less time to focus on on singles matches, uh, and I think he's also. I actually think he has some other matches as well for that whole week. The collective, I believe. Uh, so he's got. He, he's. I don't know. If, if DB Smith. If that's the only match he has, he's going to be fresh. He's going to have only one thing to focus on. Josh Alexander is going to have other matches to focus on that entire weekend. I don't know. It's maybe too much on the plate. I'm going to have to go with DB Smith by submission. You know, using some of the old school cash wrestling. To, Something uh, from that probably also learned the Heart Dungeon to uh, take the match. Your thoughts, Christian? My thoughts on the match? Yes. Huh. I mean, I know that Andrew said in order for Impact Wrestling to look bad, Josh Alexander should win. Yeah. Tough fucking luck. I mean, I understand Impact Wrestling is trying to revitalize themselves as. The promotion that will not die no matter what it does. But I do think that Baby Boy Smith Jr. does have the advantage in catch wrestling. Does have the advantage in mat wrestling. Does have the advantage in submission grappling. And I think that when it comes to Josh Alexander, I think he's going to be at quite a disadvantage. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, from the standpoint of Davy Boy actually owning a <clears throat> blood sport like there was no tomorrow, I think he would actually win. But I think to some degree or another, I'm not putting it under. I think that uh, Alexander could win. He could win. But 
Now I'm thinking about it a little bit more clearer. Uh, and he did bring up a good point that DB, he's actually been on a roll in Bloodsport. And he's practically one of their top guys. So it wouldn't surprise me either or. But I'm thinking now that my head is a little bit more clear. DB boy for the win. DB boy for the win. And I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking to it. Understood. Understood. You want to go ahead and go on to the next match while I look for the particular score? All right. So we have up next Alexander James versus Calvin Tankman. Okay. So both guys are kind of new to me. I believe Calvin Tankman is one of the very few African-Americans to actually be fighting on this show or in the history of blood sport. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that <clears throat> the African American will get the win here. I'm hoping so. <laughs> I see. But let's just go ahead and go to the particulars. First of all, for Alexander James, the American royalty, the Prince of Pro, the young lion, whatever you want to call him, he was trained by. That rat bastard DJ Hyde. <laughs> Sorry, I fucking hate how CCW is ran by this asshole. <laughs> Gone. Anyways, the dude was trained by DJ Hyde, Ryan McBride, and Rich Swan. <laughs> He's 6 feet 1 inch tall, 229 pounds, fighting out of Hereford, Maryland. He has been competing as a professional wrestler since March of 2010, as a freelancer, of course. He is a one-time GBW Breaker Champion, the honorary CZW Junior Heavyweight Champion, the former Maryland Championship Wrestling Rage TV champ, the former Wrestling Cult No Limits champ, and the former Excite International champion as well. Now, as for Calvin Tankman, of course, you know, he's new to me as well, and not only will he be competing on this show, but he'll be competing at the For the Culture show as well. You can talk more about that match after I talk more about him. Anyways, Calvin Tankman, he just got signed to Major League Wrestling. He is an indestructible human being, to say the least. He made his professional wrestling debut October 15th, 2016. So he's a little bit young in the tank for his professional wrestling career, but even though he was a Division I football player, the dude's a badass. And an MMA practitioner to boot. He stands in at 6 feet 2 inches tall, weighs in at 355 pounds, and comes to us from Indianapolis, Indiana, USA. And as far as his professional wrestling credentials go, he's the current Bizarro Lucha, Luchaversal Champion. He is a former one day having. Black Label Pro Heavyweight Champion, the one-time WTF Champion, and a former IWA Mid-South 
heavyweight champion. Now, here comes the experience part. Now, I did say that Alexander James... First of all, I did say that Alexander James wrestled for the last decade, and Calvin Tankman wrestled for the last four years, but do you think that Tankman's emergence into the spotlight these days is probably what's going to give him a bigger advantage? And also, like I said, Tankman ain't going to be wrestling on this card. What's the other match that he's going to have on this collective weekend next weekend? Oh, I'm looking that bad boy up right now. I'm looking that up right now. Because I know he's on that show. It's going to be another horse fight for him. Oh, man. For the culture. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are actual supporters of the African-American community, mm-hmm. please, 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 please buy that show. It sounds like one of the must-see actual shows of the year. And for the we record... Act- for the record, if you watched the Black Wrestlers Matter show back a couple months ago in Des Moines, Iowa, you'll definitely enjoy this show that's going to happen in Indianapolis this upcoming weekend. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. All right, so I'm on the actual GCW show page. Okay, so we're looking up. I'm looking at the fan site article for, and I'm sorry to interrupt again, kind of my theme, but I'm looking at the fan site article for the For the Culture show now. It says that Calvin Tankman will be taking on a member of the former Dark City Fight Club, John Davis, before he takes on Alexander James at the Bloodsport event. Even though he's a star on the rise at this moment, do you think that wrestling two shows in one weekend is probably going to fatigue him a bit? Not really, because a good one of these wrestlers, they actually have been uh, wrestling in tournaments, and those tournaments take place over a span of two days. Like you touched upon earlier, Christian, and you may actually cringe when I say this name, Mike Quackenbush actually was a big-time uh, tournament maker. So he would have, like, two of these tournaments a year, one of them being the Chikara King of Trios, which was a three-night uh, tag team tournament. Mm-hmm. So, tag team tournament. One of the greatest tag team tournaments in modern professional wrestling. Yes, sir. And with that... You can see plenty of wrestlers all over the world come and just apply their trade. I remember the actual Chikara King of Trios 2008 final. That was Team Mexico versus the Blackout. And that was one of my favorite matches in Chikara's history. I wish the history books would say that Blackout won, but... I understood the decision of Quack at that point in time. I think he wanted to establish more of a relationship with the the promotion that uh, the Mexican team came from. So I don't question it from business standpoint. Well, let's see. As far as this match goes, with Davis versus 
Tankman. That is really no, no, no. Excuse me. Well, Davis versus Tankman or James versus Tankman. Even though we're talking about the blood sport match rather than his for the culture match, but either or is fine well, considering the fact that even though he is facing two opponents in one weekend, it's gonna feel like it's one. <laughs> All right, so let's get back on track. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I was so hyped for both shows. Uh, my brain kind of farted. All right, so as far as um, this match of Tankman versus James is concerned, Tankman, I think, deserves to win a little bit more because it feels like he's more um, being debuted. So, I'll just put it down there. Take me for the win. All right, fellas, one of you want to chime in? I'll quickly say, I think James will win simply because Tankman, when you have more matches, that wears on you. Especially, you know, as the, as the days go on. And I know that Calvin, I think it's Tankman's only match, only other match, but nonetheless, I have to go with James because he'll be the fresher opponents. Uh, and... I think that Tankman might be worn out by the time Sunday comes along. James by TKO. All right. So do you fellas want to move on to the next match, or Christian, do you have an opinion? Well, first of all, I think that when it comes down to that match against John Davis, I think that John Davis, who has been wrestling forever, I think that he's going to probably get the upper hand in this one. But as far as the Alexander James match is concerned, you know, like you said, it's a hot battle waiting to happen. Therefore, I think that, you know, as a hot battle should, I think it's going to be a rock'em, sock'em, robots type of event. I mean, type of match between these two. But I think that Tankman is probably going to win this one. I wouldn't say via smother submission like Emmanuel Yarborough versus Daiju Takeshi, but he's probably going to put a whole hell of a lot of his belly into beating the fuck out of Alexander James, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Well, either which way, that's going to be a great fight to witness. All right, let's get back to the card. Mm-hmm. We only have three more matches, ladies and gentlemen. We have been talking about sausage fests all night long. Let's get some estrogen in this motherfucker. Let's talk about what is action. All right, so we got the NWA, former NWA women's champion, Allison K or Sienna, as some people used to call her, versus Killer Kelly, who can actually be seen in the upcoming video game The Wrestling Code by Virtual Basement. Mm-hmm. I heard that's going to be a pretty fun game to check out. I mean, hopefully oh, I'm it'll up. be worth it. Was... But, yeah. Go on, go on, Daza. But yeah, it's like you said, Allison K is going to be facing off against Killer Kelly. That's one half of the first ever women's tournament that's going to take place for Josh Barnett's Bloodsport or for GCW's Bloodsport in general. 
So do you want to go ahead and talk about not just the match we are going to talk about in Killer Kelly versus Alex and Kay, but the match that's going to also take place in that women's tournament? Yeah, let's definitely do it all as one package. All right, let's do it. Okay, so yeah. The first ever one-night women's tournament in the four-event history of the Bloodsport series. The Matt Riddle slash Josh Barnett Bloodsport series. You got Allison Kay versus Killer Kelly first, and Lindsay Snow versus Layla Hirsch second. First of all, Allison Sienna AK forty seven K, who has an <laughs> own, who has an Owen one professional MMA record. Sorry for even mentioning that. She's probably gonna kick my ass if she ever hears that. <laughs> Oh, uh, she's actually a uh, badass, so she's not going to really hurt you quite so bad. She'll break your arm, maybe. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course she will. He, he, he. But still, she is 5 feet 11 inches tall, 150 pounds. She's been wrestling since December of 2008. She was trained by Matthew Priest and Bill Martell. She is the cousin of former WrestlePro founder Kevin Matthews and she's 32 years old she is from the Motor City of Detroit Michigan she is a former NWA World Women's Champion a former WSU Tag Team Champion the former AIW Women's Champ and the former three-time I guess you can say Women's Champion in Impact Wrestling. Two-time Knockouts Champ. One-time Global Force Wrestling Women's Champ. And the two-time Shine Wrestling Women's Champion. Well, actually, the two-time Shine Wrestling World Champion as well. Her opponent in this contest is Killer Kelly. Five feet, six inches tall, 128 pounds from Lisbon, Portugal. She has been competing since Halloween 2016 and was trained out of the WXW Academy in Dusseldorf, Germany. She is 28 years old and is a freelancer who also spends half her time interviewing people. <laughs> well, used to spend time interviewing people. She is the former WXW Women's Champion, which lasted all of a month from December of 2017 to January 2018. But don't you dare doubt her skills because she can kick your ass in that ring and she can go with the best of them. Even to the point where, you know, WWE ended up getting her for their May Young Classic tournament. <laughs> in the second women's semifinal match, it'll be Lindsay Snow versus Layla Hirsch. First particulars for Lindsay Snow. She is 33 years old, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner at 5 feet 3 inches tall, weighing it at 119 pounds, fighting out of Jacksonville, Florida. She has been competing as a professional wrestler since May of 2016 and was trained by Jay Lee. <laughs> I'm sorry, I I mean, I'm not really, I'm not going to say I'm not much of a fan of his, 
but he can stop with the I'm trying to be a heel. I'm trying to be somebody you either love or hate, but I'm really an asshole gimmick. <laughs> Anyways, for Lucy Snow, she has been the FTPW Women's Champion, the FTPW Ladies Champion, actually, for, of course, the 10 months. March of 2017 to January of 2018. And as far as her best matches are concerned, over the last four years, she's gotten to wrestle for Shine, Generation Championship Wrestling. She has gotten to wrestle for FIP. She's gotten to wrestle for PW 2.0. And she's also gotten to wrestle up in North Carolina for Queens of Combat. She's gotten to wrestle on NWA Power, and she most recently wrestled not only in my neck of the woods for the reality of wrestling and Ladies Night Out, which of course, this match will be a rematch of their particular meeting at that Ladies Night Out 8 event in Texas City, Texas, back on November 16, 2019. But, in addition to losing to Sumi Sakai at Bloodsport 2, she has also lost more recently for the NWA World Women's Title back on September 18th in San Antonio, Texas, well, Buda, Texas, near San Antonio, to Thunder Rosa for the NWA World Women's Title. And her opponent, Layla Hirsch. About the same height as her opponent, but she's 125 pounds. Wrestling out of Hillsborough Township, New Jersey. She is a former gymnast who was trained by the CZW Academy, DJ Hyde, Chainsaw Joe Gacy, and Preacher Phineas James, and is known as Legit Layla Hurst. She is a former, no wait actually, I'm looking at her list of titles on Cage Match, it says she hadn't won any. <laughs> but other than that, she is a veteran of stardom, was a member of the former Tokyo Cyber Squad with the late Hana Kimura. May she rest in peace. And obviously in the U.S. she's competed for Beyond Wrestling, H2O. As I mentioned, she wrestled for the Reality of Wrestling's Ladies Night Out show. She's also wrestled in Germany for WXW. And she's also wrestled for Queens of Combat, CZW. ICW, the New York Wrestling Connection, Women's Superstars Uncensored, or WSU for short, Shine Wrestling out of Toronto, oh, and of course, more recently, she's wrestled for World Wondering Stardom out in Japan, and this will be her first singles contest since losing in the Stardom High Speed Grand Prix back on February 11th to Depth Yamasan. But, still, this will also be her first professional wrestling match in the state since December 28th. So, yeah. All I gotta ask is, first of all, who do you think is gonna win these two matches? And who do you think is gonna win this one-night tournament outright? Oh, I'm still in uh, that we're getting an actual women's tournament on this show. As far as uh, match winners, I think we're going to actually get Allison K versus Lindsay Snow. I think we're going to get that. 
Can you potentially see Allison Kay getting the advantage over Lindsey Snow in the finals? Possibly, because nobody thought that Mama Oscar or uh, Sumi Sakai would actually beat Lindsey Snow last year, and what happened? The Mickey Rourke Japanese Joshi Piro Resu, no disrespect, please don't tell her I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sumi Sakai, Mama Asuka, whoop that ass. Yep, so don't actually underestimate uh, the AK-47. She can actually beat Lindsay Snow. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting both women. They are both uh, badass and sweethearts. Uh, but if I had to pick one, guns in my head, which one uh, would I pick? Yeah. I could see maybe Lindsay Snow actually getting the win this time because she did put over Sumi and uh, Allison did have the win last year. So I could see Lindsay actually get. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, who do you think is going to win this tournament outright? So as my reason, I think that Hirsch, I think Joe Kelly, I don't know about Allison Kay. I think Lindsay Snow is the only one who's wrestling that one that one show on Buzzport. I'm, I'm I'm taking that a lot into consideration for uh, all these matches. Who's wrestling wrestling multiple times? And uh, when it comes down to it, I think that Lindsay Snow will actually be the one who who comes down as the winner overall winner of the uh, one night tournament. I think uh, and as her opponent who makes it a fuss, you know what? I think Allison K also as well. Um, I think in terms of overall combat professional com, pro combat experience it's got it, those two have the most um Joe Kelly has the most pro wrestling experience and Hirsch I don't know I, I think that Hirsch is, I don't know she may not have you know she, she's a late, late replacement uh which is supposed to be Deanna Palazzo uh but, but you know when you come in late I don't know. This is about. I think she's getting about a little over a week's notice. I don't know. Is that enough time to prepare you for know, a? Come to, to think of it, Andrew, you are right. Layla Hershey is coming in as a late replacement because Diona Perrazzo does have Impact Wrestling duties. Yes. Now, also, also, also point out, yes, they did have a match here. Snow with Hirsch coming out the winner, but that was also a pro wrestling match with pins and countdowns or whatever. That's not, you know, uh, that's not this match. This is knockout submission. We and when you have, I don't know what Hirsch's other non-pro wrestling experience is, but I know Snow herself trains in mixed martial arts, jujitsu. I know for a fact has won tournaments in jiu-jitsu. That's the other thing as well. She's got tournament experience as well. Um, I think Kay and Killer Kelly both have it as well because they were the NXT Women's Tournament, I think. I believe. Uh, the uh, May Young Tournament, I May think. Young they Classic. were in seven years. May Young Classic. Yeah, I think they were in seven, I think they were in seven years old. But, uh, yeah, I think it comes down to Lindsay Snow's overall uh, combat sports experience and so does her background in tournaments and also Allison Kay's. But I think that Lindsay Snow is going to is going to come out the winner uh, the first ever uh, uh, women's uh, tournament blood sport winner, maybe a yeah, trophy. I don't know. <laughs> so but uh, I think she, she, I think she'll be, uh, I think she'll be the first. 
You're basically saying it'll be Lindsay Snow versus Allison K in the finals. Yes, and then Lindsay Snow will come out the winner. I see. Well, I'm going to go ahead and trump both of y'all on this one and say that even though Layla Hirsch is coming in as not only the underdog but a late-notice replacement, she's probably coming in as the woman with the least to lose because... If both of y'all remember, and I know, Andrew, you probably remember more than anything. If y'all remember Daniel Cormier's rise to greatness, you would know that he was an alternate in the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix before winning it against Josh Barnett. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he came in as an alternate competitor. Now, in a way, I do think that Layla Hirsch... She's going to have some awfully big heels to feel with Deona Perrazzo stepping down. But, you know, I think Layla Hirsch is going to have the upper hand over Lindsay Snow. What they couldn't have been able to do in that match at the Reality of Wrestling in my neck of the woods last November. They'll probably be able to do to their fullest capabilities. And Allison Kay, while she does have... A lot of prestige as the NWA World Women's Champion. I think that Killer Kelly is going to come in on a mean streak and look to take her fucking head off. So, my prediction for the finals of that one night tournament, and my prediction ain't really that smooth, is Layla Hirsch versus Killer Kelly with Layla Hirsch coming out as the winner. Why? Because women's professional wrestling needs their own damn Daniel Cormier type of story. And I think this one might be it. <laughs> okay, I'm tipping my hat to you, Christian. That was good. That was great. Hmm, exactly. Now, shall we move on to the main event? Um, here we are. This is it, ladies and gentlemen, before we wrap up the show. So, the following match is scheduled for one knockout or submission. We have the AEW World Heavyweight Champion and IWGP United States Champion, John Moxley, making his GH, I mean, not GH. That's CCW debut. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the uh, assist. Versus the cult favorite from Staten Island, New York, Chris Dickinson. Christian, would you like to hit the uh, championship credentials one more time before we wrap this bad boy up? Yes. I would. First off, for the Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson. He's 5 feet 10 inches tall, weighs in at 235 pounds. He is a Taekwondo and MMA practitioner who has been wrestling since August of 2002 and was trained by Magic, Mike Quackenbush. Little Guido Maritato, a.k.a. Nunzio, the late great King Harley Race, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Naomichi Marufuji, and Atsushi Aoki. He is the Dirty Daddy for a reason. 
fighting off of Staten Island. Ah, I don't know if it's off of or out of, but he's from Staten Island, New York. Right on, babe. He is a two-time Evolve Tag Team Champ with Jaka as a member of Catchpoint. He is the former two-time AIWF World Tag Team Champion with Corey Duncan as Paco Loco. He is a former AIW Intense Tag Team Champ, a former Interspecies Wrestling Champion, the former Interspecies Wrestling Undisputed King of Crazy Champion, the former, <laughs> yeah, the former IWS Canadian Champion, and a former Jersey All-Pro Tag Team Champion with now Impact Wrestling employee, Sammy Callahan. And I'm sorry for saying it that way, but hey, when you've been wrestling for that company for as long as you have, you deserve to be called an employee. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. As far as Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson goes, he has been a lifer mostly for GCW, especially over the last few years. I gotta ask, what's his blood sport record again? Okay. Final one. Off the top of my head. Well, thank goodness for a cage match. Let's see. According to them, one and one or two and one, they say. Alrighty. I believe he actually made his actual blood sport Sport debut in 2018. Uh, Matt Riddle's version of. I see, I see. Yes, yes. Alright. So, with Matt Riddle's Blood Sport, he was defeated by Dan Severn. Mm -hmm. Dan the Beast Severn, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, and then last year, exactly in, not February, April, in Jersey City, he beat Andy Williams, and he fought Josh Barnett at the previous Bloodsport, but that actually went to referee's decision that uh, Barnett won. So his record would be, I believe, two losses, one win. Mm-hmm. I see. And as far as his opponent goes, why don't we let somebody who knows him a lot more than we do introduce him? He fights out of Las Vegas, Nevada. He is the pride of the East Side, of Cincinnati, Ohio. His official weight is 234 pounds. He is undefeated in singles action in all elite wrestling. He is... Well, uh, I'll have to paraphrase this. Zero Fs given! He is... The current all elite wrestling world champion, Jesus. 
Dickinson's opponent, ladies and gentlemen, he is the current AEW World Heavyweight Champion and the reigning IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. He is John Moxley. Oh, man. This match is almost like a match that I've always wanted to see. I've been a fan of both almost practically since the beginning of their careers, especially Dickinson, who I actually witnessed his very first match. As Christian touched upon earlier, one of his trainers is named Magic. Uh, Magic happens to be a dear friend of my first fiance named Melody. When we actually were going home from a Jersey All-Pro show, the show that uh, Dickinson made his general pro wrestling debut, he was asking for our opinions. And I thought he was pretty good. My ex, she actually thought he was good. And then we would see him again the following show that he was on. Years later, he is the leader of Team Pazuzu. He's done so much. And to see him get to face the world heavyweight champion of AEW is practically the biggest match that's not in MSG for him. And it's his match to win. But we're talking about John Moxley here. And Lamox is no slouch when it comes to the submission game. So... It's anybody's win, but I say Dickinson really has more so the win. He has to win here more so than Mox, because that would actually not only help him in the sense of uh, GCW's blood sport, but it would get people talking about him outside of GCW. Some people would say that would actually elevate him to New Japan because Mox holds a gold there. Some people would say that it would elevate him to AEW because he's their main champion. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would say that, again, Dickinson has to win. He has to win. But I wouldn't be surprised if Mox comes out with the win. I see, I see. But when it comes to John Moxley's credentials, of course, if you know him by heart, good for you. But still, this dude has wrestled in arenas and stadiums, big and small. This dude has won championships literally all over the fucking world and has two currently in his possession from one of the greatest professional wrestling promotions of all time and the up and coming professional wrestling promotion currently blazing trails today of course i'm talking about new japan pro wrestling and all elite wrestling respectively who hopefully with a new president on their docket takari obarley Hopefully, New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW will work more often. But, still. This is going to be John Moxley's... Not only John Moxley's Bloodsport debut, 
even though it's been delayed a few times and he wanted to face Josh Barnett, this is going to be his game-changer wrestling debut. How do you think that the, you know, added pressure of being on a show like Bloodsport is going to affect him? I know Max, he's just going to go in and do what he does best, and that's just put on the, practically one of the best performances that he can do. So for him to actually go to GCW, that's kind of like, if I had to say this, uh, him going back home. Because unbeknownst to some people, they don't know his history of being a CZW World Heavyweight Champion. Sorry, Christian, I know you don't like that company. Uh, but uh, I don't like the, that's I mean, the I like the company. I just don't like who's running it. And by the way, he is a two-time CZW World Heavyweight Champion as well. Thank you. Well, for Mox, that's like going home. I remember he was getting ready to possibly get out of WWE at uh, the time that Barnett actually took over Bloodsport. So Mox was in the crowd for Barnett's Bloodsport 1 which was technically Bloodsport 2. Mm-hmm. I saw him in the, He was actually in the rafters. So this was a long time in the make. So for him to lose would be a big deal, but I think just him being on the show bar none gives uh, Bloodsport a little bit more uh, credibility. So, for Mox, again, this is his homecoming to some degrees or another. So, there's no real big uh, pre-match jitters, if you want to use that term, on him. Of course. So, what about you, Of course. Now, Andrew, do you want to say any thoughts about this match? Yes, I do. So, Moxley's the wrestler of the year, bar none. I get to see somebody else who's had a, a run this year uh, that's been as great as his. He's dominated everywhere he's gone. Well, mostly, I guess, AEW. He hasn't really wrestled. Oh, no, he wrestled in New Japan uh, also this year as well. And um, I think that uh, I think he's going to dominate in Bloodsport. Too bad we can't get uh, him versus uh, uh, Barnett. That's the uh, match that they've tried to make. It's become, but it's so funny that that Barnett versus Moxley's become kind of like Bud Sports Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. <laughs> Every time they try to make it, just gets fucked up for some But uh, I think that Moxley, yeah. Moxley has a great New Japan, AEW. I expect to bring a fight. This is going to be a fight. It's not going to be pretty. Might, there might even just be blood hits. They might put the blood in blood sport. And um, I don't think Dickinson will go down very easily, but Moxley is going to knock out Dickinson and continue his 20, is going to continue his 2020 streak. Uh, uh, with, uh, I think he's uh, been being almost undefeated at this point uh, in 2020. Well, actually, oh, let's man. just be real. He's been, I mean, aside from his New Japan Pro Wrestling run, of course, he's been undefeated on the U.S. Independence, hell, in any U.S. wrestling promotion since leaving the WWE. Yeah. 
And that includes his run in All Elite Wrestling. True. True, true. Mm-hmm. But still, I think that when it comes down to this particular match, as soon as the Akadaka Dirty Deeds song goes off, you're going to see a whole new side of John Moxley just be unleashed. I mean, because, of course, he was in that Cage Fighter movie with Chuck Liddell, if I'm not mistaken. So, actually, him training at Syndicate MMA in Las Vegas, of which, of course, he's from Cincinnati, Ohio, originally. You know, him training out there in Vegas with some of the best fighters in the world, I'm pretty sure that's going to help him get more acclimated to doing submission wrestling, to doing more ground techniques, to doing more moves that you wouldn't see him do in a regular professional wrestling format. You know? And of course... Right. Yeah, and of course, this ain't gonna be about the pinfalls. This ain't gonna be about disqualifications or countouts or anything like that. I mean, I think that he's going to finish... Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson off with the Dirty Deeds, and then put him in a fucking guillotine choke, just to make sure that Dickinson is completely out of it. I can see that. Uh, but if Dickinson wins, I think maybe it'll be by way of um, a straight kick. Oh, you One of uh, a... Dickinson's kicks. You mean like a Miracle Krokop style high kick to the head? Yeah, I could see Dickinson actually getting a knockout when one of his uh, straight-up kicks that he's been known for. So, yeah, yeah. I could definitely see that. I can totally see that. <laughs> but other than All that, right, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, well, that was basically the whole entire match card. Yeah, so, that was. But real quick, just got to ask. What are your overall thoughts about it? Both of y'all, what are y'all overall thoughts about this card? Well, I've been talking pretty much all night long, so uh, Andy can hit it from this point. Um, out of all the block, Josh Hardy's blood sports shows, I think the so far on paper the weakest. I think it hurts that there's no really international. I know Kill Kelly, Kelly's from Portugal, but I mean, like, you know, yeah, you know, they were supposed to have a the uh the Gosh Robinson tournament earlier this year and it looked like that was gonna be great. Sucks that they can't do that now, given also the fact that, you know, the borders are closed for most countries. You can't get a lot of international people. But it still is on paper looking like a good show. It may look the weakest on paper on the Barnett blood sports, but I have no doubt it'll still be a great show. There's been no such thing as a bad blood sports show ever. I don't think this one is gonna be a bad one at all. Okay. All right. And so my me, opinion, I think that when it comes down to this show, yeah, it's missing some international flair. But you got guys and girls willing to bust their ass and make their names heard, or in the case of John Moxley, expand upon his brand. Now, as far as the absence of certain stars, you know. It sucks it had to be that way because of international restrictions, but I hope that the international audience can enjoy this show for what it will be. Basically a knockdown, drag out brawl of a good time. Now, as far as 
potential international ramifications, let's just say, if Josh Barnett ends up beating Marcin Rosalski in Poland after this show concludes, I mean, shit, could we potentially see, you know, if the international borders do open back up, could we potentially, I mean, we talked about potential international stars wanting to compete for Bloodsport, could we see potential for GCW to have a Bloodsport event overseas? Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, or at least get Sakuraba to come on other shows. I don't think we gotta do a Bloodsport show with Sakuraba at some point, I feel like. <laughs> they still gotta get Ken Shamrock on this set. Yes! I would love to see a fight between Ken Shamrock and Minoru Suzuki. It only would make up for the fact that most of the people that are probably gonna be watching this weren't born. When Ken Shamrock and Minoru Suzuki competed against each other in Pan Craze or Fujiwara Gumi. That would be my money, too. I'd be like, shut up and take my money. That's that's a match that actually is very, very long in the making for me because I love both guys. Without them, I wouldn't actually have an MMA fandom, especially from the standpoint of how realistic their pro wrestling is. So, if that match is ever made, and Danny DeMonto and Brett Lauderdale, if you're listening to this and the borders do open up, please make it happen. Please make it happen. That would actually drive people to actually get in seats, my friends. I would probably be there if it was actually in Jersey City. So, the ball's in your court, and... Thank you very much. Well, as far as this actual blood sport is concerned for me, I think it's got a merit of importance because of the women, more so than the men, because it's a one-night tournament. But as far as the men are concerned, it's no pushovers on it. Every single man on this card is tough. All of them do have fight backgrounds to some degrees or another. This isn't just a pro wrestling show. This is a straight-up fight fest, ladies and gentlemen. If you've never seen Bloodsport before, this is not your traditional pro wrestling show where it's pinfalls count. No. The only way to win is by way of knockout or submission. There are no ropes. There is pretty much no rules. It's almost anything goes. And funny that we're recording today because actually, before we actually came on, the actual Bloodsport movie was on TV earlier today, and I didn't watch it. But I'm gonna get to it eventually. But the overall show... I think it can be one of my shows of the year. I actually have said that Bloodsport was my show of the year for the past two years. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was it for me. Understood. Understood. And with that being said, you want to give out your social media plugs before we wrap this thing up? Okay, again, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Zachary Shiloh. I am the host of a multi-dimensional realm show called 
Black Lions Airspace, where I talk the laws of attraction, combat, sports, comics, and more. I actually have this uh, light, light little show on my show called uh, Roaming Around, where I actually feature people who I love, honor, and respect. Andy was a guest. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for other guests eventually. Hint, hint. And uh, somebody that's actually been talking to me more so than Andy today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, if you want me to be a part of the damn show, I would be more than happy to because I'm not really... I mean, let's just say, I'm a lazy fuck. Andrew knows this. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to get at me, feel free to contact me. I'm always available. <laughs> Alright. So, my actual handle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter goes capital B, capital L, capital K, Lion130. You can listen to my show by multiple means of places like Spotify, Speaker, and Stitcher, along with uh, Anchor and Apple Pods. Please subscribe to my YouTube page, which I will be sending uh, Andy. Mm-hmm. And please continue to support We Are Rising. These guys are awesome at what they do. Thank you, Zach. And as far as we're concerned, well, actually, first of all, let's go ahead and plug the show one more time. Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2020 will take place from the Marion County Fairgrounds in Indianapolis, Indiana, on October 11th at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, 6 Central, live on the Fight TV app and Fight.TV for $19 or 20 fight credits or if you want to be mischievous, if you want to basically be that big spender, if you want to be getting your money's worth for all this great action that Game Changer Wrestling has in store, you can go ahead and order the collective bundle, which will kick off with Jimmy Lloyd's Degeneration F on October 9th, beginning at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. The cost for that show, the cost for the entire bundle is $139 or 140 fight credits. Other than that, if you want to check out more about Game Changer Wrestling, you can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for GCW Wrestling or follow them on Twitter at GCWrestling underscore. And as far as us goes... You can follow myself on Twitter at ChrisGary92. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at abenja one You can follow the show handle and support us at WeAreRisingPod. W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-N-P-O-D, all in one word. And again, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can check us out on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast providers. And again, Zach... We thank you for joining us on our little podcast and our little journey through GCW Bloodsport, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 3. So we thank you for thank joining you us. Thank you for having me. 
And as we close the show, we would normally play a little Lenny Hart soundbite, of which she says, We are But to quote the great Kazushi Sakuraba and the great Josh Barnett, the only way we can close this show out, particularly, is by saying, Pro wrestling, Pro wrestling is strong, isn't it? And we wouldn't have that any other way. <laughs> other than that, take care. Peace, my peoples in one love world. May y'all forever be blessed. And we'll talk to y'all next time. Later. Take care. Adios. <laughs>